Jason D. Morris and Carly Street. Hey, Carly, how you doing? Yo, yo. <laughs> She's a rapper. So now. gangster. <laughs> Are you yep. now? Is that what it's like up the crew? <laughs> Pretty much. Fake gangsters. <laughs> I'm one of them. <laughs> tell me a little bit about, yeah, tell me a little bit about crew. I don't know anything about, about where you live out um, there. Um... It's just like London. No, right? <laughs> no, not at all. There's no, there's no Alan Sugar. There's no tall buildings. There's no fast pace. Like we don't interact with people. There's no tube. So it's just like it's like a town with like dirt roads and little stone cottages. No, that would be cool. That's Cornwall. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's not midsummer. No, no, no. Um, all right. Well, <clears throat> so um, <clears throat> we are uh, we're on uh, episode three here, and I guess we're holding to our promise of uh, making it a weekly show. Finally, seems seems to be anyway. <laughs> Touchwood for now. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you guys say? Touchwood? Yeah, do you not say that? Well, we say knock on wood because I think Touchwood's probably a little provocative. <laughs> Over here. That's so weird to me because you guys say fanny pack like it's just an everyday thing, right? How can you say yeah, fanny well, pack? I like your fanny pack. How can you compliment another human being's fanny pack but not say touch wood? <laughs> well, I, I don't think anybody like really wears those anymore. Oh, shut up. There's loads of them or people in them. London, American tourists with fanny packs walking around taking pictures of Buckingham Palace. I've seen it on Facebook. I know that. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I don't, I don't think I've owned a fanny pack in, I don't know. Maybe since I was like a young kid. Whatever. <laughs> so Whatever. I, know. <laughs> I, I know that there was like a resurgent of a, you know, like probably like teenage girls or something a couple of years ago. But um, I don't know. That was always a weird thing and a funny name. But uh, yeah, <laughs> good point. Yeah. Fair point. Yeah, T-shirt. Go. <laughs> Fair point. Well made. Ah, <laughs> uh, so how are things going over there? It's cold. I've had to use my de-icer four cold. times in a week. De-icer. What's what's that for? Like a yeah. car? When you de-ice the windows. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just wasn't sure if there was some other British term that I don't know, or if you meant like, you know, defroster for your car, because that's what we call it. Oh, for God's sake, you call it a defroster. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe that's just California, because we don't really get ice, I guess. I mean, we do, but it's like occasion. Defroster sounds Uh, like a transformer. I would love to be like, did you use your defroster this morning? Yes, I did. Front and back windows. (laughs) It does sound like a transformer. We just de-ice. It's not that exciting. It's like every day. (laughs) De-iced again, yeah. (laughs) Now, how cold is it there? Well, I'm cold all the time, so I can't really judge that. Right. I think that's yeah. a woman thing. I think most women are cold all the time. I walk around Spain. Ladies have bad circulation. I walk around Spain in like a hoodie, you know, them dead shit hoodies that are like, I love Barcelona or wherever, whichever part of Spain it is that you're in. And they're like luminous pink. <laughs> I always end up wearing one of them. Is it, and is it typically warm there? Oh my God, it's so hot in Spain. Okay. And I still, as soon as like we're near the water, I'm like straight, I need a, I need a hoodie. <laughs> straight, you're going to have to go and buy me one. But is it... 
Is it like uh, warm there year round though, or just uh, you guys only go in the summertime it's or something? Warm like all the time, even in winter it's warm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh wow, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Not for me, somebody that doesn't like summer, but I'm a winter person. <clears throat> I like summer when I'm there. But, I like um, the heat when I'm there because I pick like a week where I'm okay to be warm. Uh-huh. So I've planned to be, I've planned Just to be warm that week. It's like we're going on holiday. I'm happy to be warm that week. Mm-hmm. But then still on. <laughs> still there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I mean, Shawnee's kind of the same way. And, and you know, she, she loves summer and the beach and all that kind of stuff. And I'm kind of the opposite. Not that I hate summer or the beach or anything like that, but um, I just really like, I don't know, I guess the beauty of winter and I like the cold and all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, she really wants to go to um, Hawaii or uh, I think now uh, she, she's thinking about like Fiji. Oh, or that'd like be that. so cool. Um, well, that'd yeah. be so hot, but that would be really groovy. Yeah. But then I talked her into buying a house in Illinois, which, you know, right now it's 26 or sorry, 28 degrees there. So, uh, she loves the summertime, but you know, I talked her into how, going to a place how did freezing. you do that? Was she drunk <laughs> at the time? If he- <laughs> she might've been, it might've been the, yeah, I, you know, maybe that's the only time I can talk her into stuff. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, it gets it gets pretty cold there. How cold does it get where you're at? Oh, I don't know, because you have a different bloody measure, don't you? You do Fahrenheit. Oh yeah, we do. You do Celsius. So well, okay. Conversion time. Maybe that's a new feature we gotta bring up on the on the podcast. Conversion here. time. So uh, yes, okay, so Fahrenheit to Celsius conversion. My son could do this because he's like into computers and shit. So um He's always talking in Celsius and I'm just like, what are you talking? I was like, no way. It's that. No, that's not right. He's like Celsius dad. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I get it Celsius dad. Uh, and I'm like, I don't know what that is. Then, <laughs> All right. Celsius. What do you, what, 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 how cold does it get there? I in drove Celsius? to work the other morning and it was minus four. Okay. Minus four sounds excruciatingly freezing here. I, I de-iced only- a lot. I had to have my heaters on. <laughs> I wasted so much petrol. I had de-icer. I had heaters. Man, it was all going on. Even my special window heaters. Yeah. I had to click them bad boys on as well. Not just normal heating. Yeah. I mean, do what yeah. you got to do. You got to stay warm. You got you to gotta survive the, uh, the drive yeah. to work. You can't just like, you know, pass out. From I had cold. my gloves on as well. So- my fingerless gloves. Which are about as much use as a chocolate <laughs> bloody fire guard, but I have my fingerless gloves. <laughs> no, I think this is so silly. My daughter desperately wants those fingerless oh gloves. Oh my god, for some I have like a hundred pairs at work. Fanny packs. Would she? Would you like me to send her some? Because I, there's a hundred pairs at work going spare because they're shite. <laughs> Maybe she's rather picky though. So I, I was just going to buy her some gloves and cut the fingers off. I mean, they'll unravel. <laughs> Isn't that how you used to do they'll it? Right? Unravel, like in the eighties, you just they'll unravel. That's all right. I don't care. <laughs> it's more authentic. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm learning things though. So Celsius, negative four degrees Celsius is 24.8 degrees Fahrenheit here. Right? So as cold it is for you, that's where it is in Illinois. It's 28 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's only four degrees difference there. That's so maybe full gloves, so, yeah. not fingerless. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And here where I'm at right now is 50 degrees Fahrenheit, which is going to be 10 degrees Celsius. Oh, shut you. up. Show off. Slightly warmer. That's not, that's not, you know, slightly warmer. Maybe it doesn't call for I ice. Say, you don't but, need to defrost. Yeah. So. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it can get cold out there. And I think uh, this year is going to be pretty strange with the, how the weather's been here in California. We had very dry summer past couple of years and we've been in a drought and um i don't know we were i think it rained for a little bit but i was expecting it to rain a lot more um than it did so i don't know well it rained so much it's over always, here always, you could buy a bloody canoe and get use out of it yeah i think they should like put a put a pipeline where you guys just send us water from from uh crew all the way over to california <laughs> you guys could be famous <laughs> All right. Um, well, let's get into uh, the drink for tonight. Yay. Okay? 
Ready Yay. for that? <laughs> As you roll a cigarette and open your Budweiser. Not, I've already opened right, my Budweiser. Do? I am a professional. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so tonight's drink is called The Dark Side. Ooh. <clears throat> and yeah, and it looks pretty cool too. It looks like a, a glass of cherry juice. Ooh, cherries. Oh, stop it. <laughs> it looks pretty, though. I don't know what's in it yet. Let's see. Oh, you're going to like this, though. Really? You know why? why? Yeah. Because it's gin. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's a good amount of gin. Okay. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's uh, two and a half ounces of gin. Yikes. Um, and it's three quarter ounce of Barlow... Ah, shit. Uh, (laughs) Barolo Chinato. What? Barolo Chinato. I don't know. Um, Not really sure, but uh, that's what it is. And um, I'm going to, you know what? Let's just, let's look this up real quick. Let's see what Barolo Chinato is. Uh, it's an ultimate oh it's an Italian thing it's an ultimate Italian after dinner drink so I guess you would um, you know drink it like I don't know like a port wine or something so all right so two and a half ounces of gin three quarter ounce of Barlow Chinato Barolo Chinato I'll get it right someday (laughs) three dashes of ah shit Hey, Chods. What even is that? <laughs> it's bitters, but uh, I don't know this brand. I don't know how to pronounce the brand name. Bitters. Peshods. Peshods bitters. Three dashes of Peshods bitters. Let's go with that. Okay. Um, and you garnish it with a brandied cherry. I don't know what that means. Get the cherry out. So if you got to put the cherry in is- brandy and then like put it in your drink. No, it's just garnish. You know you. Pop a toothpick through it and just set it on top of the glass. You know, that kind of thing. You don't have to you don't have to eat it or anything. It's just to make it look pretty. Um Yeah. <clears throat> so it's mostly gin. That's a, I don't like gin to begin with, but I know you do, and it's like basically a glass full of gin. <laughs> I'm a fan of that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Alright, so how you make this is you add the gin, the Barolo Chinato <laughs> and bitters into a mixing glass with ice and you stir it until well chilled. You strain it into a chilled cocktail glass with no ice, and you garnish with the brandied No cherry. ice. The ice doesn't sound different. What's going on here? Yeah, it doesn't because there oh, is no eh? ice. Yeah. My strange. God. This is strange. It's, it's, it's almost like it's more like a, uh, I don't know. It's like a cherry martini, like a gin, a gin martini, but with cherries. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to assume that the Barlo Chinato, Bar, Barolo Chinato is probably cherry-ish flavored. I'm going to assume, which I probably shouldn't assume, but I'm going to guess. <clears throat> um, so if it is, I mean, it's probably used to, it's probably not your thing then. Okay. Because you hate cherries for some reason, which is They're evil. They're evil. Okay. So they just like grow vampire fangs. Well, they're bloody red, aren't they? Like blood. Sapping all the alcohol out now. <laughs> That's what's inside them when you squish them. They're like leeches. <laughs> They're like five more cherries pop out. <laughs> <laughs> Kill one and another one comes to take its place. <laughs> all righty. Well, the rest of us will enjoy our dark side while Carly sips on her Bud Light and, you know, continues to be boring. Um, folks at home, grab the ingredients for a dark side and join us while we uh, take a look at the trailer for tonight's movie. Strangers. 
the trailer for the 1998 film Dark City directed by Alex Proyas of The Crow fame and stars Rufus Sur- oh, shit <laughs> uh, I'm gonna I, you know what I've never heard anybody say his name that I can recall so Ruf- I know him well but Rufus Sewell? I would say Sewell, but that's possibly possibly not right. I also have never heard anyone say his surname. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know. Uh, Okay, let's go with Sewell. Rufus Sewell. That sounds like he's a, I don't know, captain of a fishing ship or something. But um, we'll go there. Maybe, you know, he's got a boat at the dock at uh, Shell Beach. Um, and it stars <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland, <laughs> Jennifer Conley, and Richard O'Brien and William Hurt. But before we get into that, we're going to let Carly do her famous in a nutshell synopsis as she searches for I've her got notes. it right here. It's on my, it's on my third page. <laughs> <laughs> on your third page? Third, three pages of yeah. notes. All right. Up in your game. I'm going to have to catch up. I've only got two pages. Oh. <laughs> and now it's time for Carly's super famous in a nutshell synopsis. Okay. Are you ready? Ready to go. So my original synopsis was, it's weird. But I didn't think that you would appreciate that. <laughs> so I, I added some more. <laughs> it's weird weird. yeah but i added some more okay so a sleep deprived missed opportunity superman seeks to unravel the mystery of not only his identity but also the reason why everyone else is wired and weird that's a little more complicated. It's a, bit, it's, it's a slightly complicated film, love. <laughs> not, not really. I mean, a little bit. I guess I don't know. I think it's, I think it's fairly simple. I think, I think it would be even more complicated for you had you watched the director's cut. And for the folks at home, there are two versions of this film. There's the theatrical release that was that came out in 1998, and then in 2008. Uh, Price was uh, able or given the chance to uh, do a director's cut version of the film, which was what he had initially intended to be released, um, with the exception of a few extended. Uh, some scenes were extended, and I think there was some uh, like establishing shots of buildings and things like that that were added in, which probably weren't initially supposed to be in the uh, the first cut of the film. But uh, I think they. You know, his big his big thing that he wanted to do was uh, New Line Cinemas um, wanted to or was it New Line or Fox? I can't remember because Fox was a distributor. Um, One of the companies wanted um, him to make it very clear at the very beginning, uh, you know, what the plot of the movie was, which is asinine to me. Um, And when I went to see this film, I missed the first couple minutes of the movie. I was late. And so I never. I never saw that beginning part. Um, and I loved the film. So, and then I was talking to a friend of mine and he was talking about the opening or whatever. And I was like, what are you talking about? And and so for a while, I never saw the film as it was released with that opening narrative. So I didn't really, I didn't really have those issues that a lot of people had with that or, or even Proyas himself. Um, and I can watch the director's cut, I think probably easier than most people. I think there's, there's two camps of people with most films that come out like that, where there's a director's version and an original or some people either like the theatrical version and other people are like, Oh no, you must love the director's version or whatever. But, um, I enjoy both of them, but I think that the uh, director's cut in this particular case is much better without that opening. Um, was it, was it, uh, cause it's been so long since I watched the theatrical version. Was it, 
was it uh, a voiceover or was it text on the screen? It's a voiceover. So I seem to remember text. Yeah, is it? Okay. There's a, there's a For some reason I seem well, to remember text. But I'll be honest with you. I missed the opening mm-hmm. monologue also. Oh, Sam did you? Making a coffee. Really? <laughs> oh. And it wasn't until okay, well, I actually I researched think. the film and looked at the reviews and people were kicking off about the monologue. I was like, well, I missed that shit. <laughs> I heard somebody talking. <laughs> like I heard them talk. Like I heard it in the other room. Yeah. Or we should not yeah, pay attention. Text or not, don't yeah. know. <laughs> That's funny. And I think that that was taken from the the director's cut, I think, has a scene. And it's I'd have to go back and watch both of them back to back to be for certain. But I think that that opening monologue came from a scene that's actually in the director's cut. Uh, I think I read that at some point somewhere over the years. Um, I could be wrong on that because my memory from what I recall seeing the theatrical version was that there was text on the screen and not a voiceover. So maybe the audience at home, maybe they know, am I crazy? Did I imagine that? Is it, you know, the Mandela effect or something? Or was there also a version with text and not a voiceover? I don't know. Um, But I seem to remember there being text on the screen and not a voiceover. So anyway, but either way, I think it's, uh, I think it's much better without it. Um, And it, it makes it more mysterious as you're watching it. And I would even, um, you know, the first time that you like really realize that there's like an alien presence in this movie. Um, I would even cut that out if it was me, because I think that was almost too soon. Yeah, to it was that. quite early on, wasn't it? The reveal. Yeah, I mean, it, it was I mean, it makes sense about half an hour or so into the film, but it was like, but I wanted the mystery to keep yes, going. Yeah. You know, I think the mystery aspect is so strong. Um, that I think as soon as you show that there's going to be some people that are just going to check out because, you know, if you don't like aliens or that kind of thing, then you're just gonna be like, oh, this is stupid now kind of thing. I, I like sci-fi and all that kind of stuff, so I don't mind it at all. But just speaking as like maybe a, a director, um, from that side of things, I probably would have cut that first time you see the aliens and just, cause I, I believe like, um, they're up on top of a billboard or whatever and they back of the one of the strangers head gets like cut off and then you see like the alien crawl out and die um and then the camera kind of drops down below underground and you see all these other strangers kind of discussing and i think it would have been much cooler if you just didn't even see the alien and you just go underground you're like oh what are all these people under here you know um because i don't know if you've ever seen the the movie metropolis but um it's it reminds me so much metropolis um, and I mean, I think Proyas has probably even said that it was one of the influences. I'm not really sure, but it, even the face on the underground on the wall that opens up into the clock, even that face like reminds me of Metropolis. Like there's so much of this that just, uh, is, you know, it, it seems like an homage to that film. Um, but I know we're jumping ahead there. Um, I'm not sure why I was just trying to ruin the movie for everybody who hasn't seen this movie. And it's almost like 25 years old or whatever, but whatever. (laughs) Already done. That's fine. Right. (laughs) And I would bet you, um, the movie came out, um, February 27th, 1998. I would bet you anything. I went to see this on my birthday. My birthday is the 28th. So that was probably, that was probably like, uh, um, you know, I I can't recall what was going on, but I'm, I'm, I would be, pretty certain that that's that's what happened um because yeah i don't know i saw the trailer and i thought it looked amazing and went and saw it and I, i've loved this film ever since um and there's you know and you know over over the years a lot of people have compared it to the matrix um quite a bit um and there's sort of that argument of you know which one is better you know whatever it is and the matrix uh came out a year after dark city um, and I'm sure you probably already know this, but Dark City was filmed on uh, the Fox uh, lot. Hi, I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. <laughs> it was filmed on the Fox lot, right? And there were no practical 
locations in this film. Everything was built. The entire movie. Which is pretty impressive. Which is impressive. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, if you look, there's like huge buildings and I mean, it's, they built a city basically. Yeah. And, and a few bits of CGI even stands up today. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, I was it's, really surprised and by I that. I remember. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. There's only one shot that to me didn't hold up and it was at the very end of the movie. And I'm not sure if it's in the theatrical cut or just the director's cut. Maybe it was something they added just for the director's cut and that's why it doesn't look as good. But there's really only one shot of the alien like coming out of uh, the lead um, stranger guy that didn't look great. But other than that, everything else was pretty impressive. And I, I remember seeing it in the theater and like I didn't know that there was any CGI other than the aliens. Right. Everything of the buildings and everything looks so real. Um, I don't really know how they did that, but it was it was it was yeah. well done. So I guess when just, the stairs were, you know, your were eyes. growing and changing, it was so good. It, it reminded me of, um, you know, Inception. Mm-hmm. It reminded yeah. me of the same sort of effect as that. And it looked as good as that, obviously, with the massive time yeah. difference. Yeah, I even I would even argue that Dark City's effects look better and I, not only because of the style of lighting like in inception there's so much you see everything right so it's less easy to hide things and i think with the style of dark city being a noir a neo-noir kind of film and the, and the dark style lighting and um you know how they incorporated that idea into the plot i think helped whatever cgi there is in the film quite a bit um, to hide or mask it and make it look more realistic. And it was just, it was really well done. It was impress, impressive. Um, but anyways, I was getting to the point that um, the, all those sets that were built for Dark City, the buildings were um, also used a year later in the film. Well, not a year later. It didn't come out for a year, but they started shooting the Matrix right after Dark City. And um they used all the sets for the Matrix. So the city of Dark City is in two films. You you can kind of see <clears> that though, can't you? When you when you know that and you watch it, you can go, oh yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. I see that. And bit. there's a lot of other mm-hmm. there's a lot of other comparisons too. A lot of people, even I do, like having finished the um the last Matrix movie and then having before I went and saw it, I went and watched the original Matrix. The cinematography and the lighting, and there's a lot of similarities between these two films. Um, I mean, even if you just just look at those two features, even if the sets weren't, you know, borrowed from Dark City, um, they it it almost from an aesthetic point of view, they heavily borrowed from Dark City quite a bit. You know, within the look of the film, the sets, and more importantly, the story. Yeah um is has a lot of similarities um and i remember an interview with um uh goyer uh david s goyer who uh co-wrote the script um him talking about uh making dark city and how excited they were about it and then it ultimately failing at the box office and then him talking about a year later how the matrix came out and he's like yo yeah okay now i see that's how you make uh, you know, you make that idea a commercial success, um, which I personally, from a, I guess from an artistic standpoint, I I would disagree with that because well, not disagree with the commercial success part of it because I get why people, you know, might like that over Dark City, but um, I, I still think Dark City is the better film uh, for a lot of different aspects. Um, but uh, I think that. Um, I think that it's time has been pretty good to dark city. You know, um, it, it failed at the box office. It only did about, um, 5 million. It's opening week. Um, and then it's second week it did 2 million. And I think ultimately it's total box office, including overseas was about 27 million, which is for what really? this movie costs. I'm not really sure. I couldn't really find wow. the, uh, um, the budget for it, but I'm going to guess it was something like probably for that time, maybe 60 million ish. I'm not sure. So wow. it's considered a, a box office failure. Yeah. Um, but it w- was critically praised and, uh, by, by critics and fans. Um, 
so it's, it's got a big cult it's had following, a, hasn't it? You know, a bit of a, yeah, it's got a bit of a cult following, and um, I think that's what kind of led to the uh, price having the ability to be able to do the uh, director's cut in two thousand eight. I mean, ten years later, that's that's a long time to all of a sudden have a director's cut come out. Um, but I'm thankful that he was able to. I thought that was it's a it's a good version of the film. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, did you did you look up? any of the actors in this movie at all? <laughs> I'm, I'm curious if you, right. if you found this like little connection that I found. Okay. So I probably didn't find the little connection that you found, but funny story time. Streets. Okay. Dad cool. Yeah. Has a little statue of Riff Raff. And when I first met him, he showed, <laughs> okay. yeah, he showed me this little statue of Riff Raff that he's really proud of. And it turns out, uh-huh. People used to call him Riff Raff because he looks very much. Oh no, well, kidding! He looked very much like Riff Raff. And when I was watching the film, I was thinking, "That's fuck. That's the dude out the Crystal Maze. That is so the dude out the Crystal Maze." And then I was googling it. I was like, "Holy shit, that's Riff Raff!" And then as soon as I saw that, all I could <laughs> see was my husband's dad on screen scaring people. <laughs> that's funny because he looks yeah, this I, that, bit that of was, that's <laughs> yeah uh, you know I, I that was one of the I've got two connection things I was, that's one of them well actually there's three I was going to bring up that has to do with the cast um, I had no idea that he was the writer of the Rocky Horror show yeah. and starred or co-starred in the movie the Rocky Horror Picture Show and co-wrote the script for the Rocky Horror Picture Show and wrote and starred in the sequel to the Rocky Horror Picture Show called Shock Treatment. They had no idea. And I just thought that was pretty cool. Um, so that was the first thing. Yeah, right. that made it even more um, menacing. And by the way, folks at home, that's, that's, yeah. No, it's true. It kind of is, yeah. And, and for the folks at home, that's Richard O'Brien. Uh, and he played Mr. Hand in Dark City. <clears throat> um, okay. So second kind of cool connection it was Ian Richardson um I'm not sure if you know I'm sure you got to know who that is maybe not he plays Mr. Book in Dark City well anyway um for Carly because you know of reasons uh Ian Richardson also starred in The Sign of Four and Hounds of the Baskervilles so there's a Sherlock Holmes connection there for you oh I did not know that yeah now also I got one more uh, Bruce Spence, who plays Mr. Wall, um, he was in Matrix Revolution, Ooh. and I think I think the I think the second and third one actually he's in. So not only do we have borrowed sets shot on the same studio lot, um, borrowed cinematography and lighting and very similar story, but also an actor that's in both films. So there's a lot going on here. <clears throat> there was a lot going on there. Also, you know what I was going to bring up? You brought up, yeah, you you brought up um, uh, Christopher Nolan earlier in Inception. Um, he he's actually he's been quoted as uh, mentioning Dark City. Um, when he was writing the script for inception, he said, yeah, he said, um, talking about his influence, his influences while writing the script for inception, he's, he says, uh, in this quote, that era of movies where you had the matrix, you had dark city, you had the 13th floor and to a certain extent you had memento too. They were based in the principles that the world around you might not be real. So obviously, um, Nolan was influenced by all those films, which are very similar. Uh, the Matrix, Dark City, and the 13th Floor all pretty much have the same uh, concept. Um, and also, um, which is sort of left out from that quote, is Existence. Um, what would the, uh, Jude Law, I think, was in that? Oh, yeah. I okay. I think it was Jude yeah. Law. Um, also, uh, wasn't uh, um, Texas name? Uh, American Psycho. What's his name? Isn't he in Existence as well? Christian Bale. 
can't think of his name right now. Yeah, Christian Bale. Wasn't he in that? Or am I wrong? Oh, I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah. Well, anyway, I think Jude Law was the, the main character in it anyway. But um, yeah, Existence, I think, was another one of those, like, very similar to, like, The Matrix and Dark City and 13th Floor. Um, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up because you uh, you mentioned Nolan and Inception and special effects, but there is actually a deeper sort of um, connection there where he he was influenced by the film. And that could be a reason why the uh, special effects are are kind of similar. Quite similar. Um, yeah. In that respect to like the growing city. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and obviously the special effects have like advanced quite a bit, you know, since Dark City came out. I mean, Inception was, you know, 20 years later, whatever it might be. Um, so there's, there was a lot of advancements um, to it, but they, there is a, uh, a strong similarity there to it. <clears throat> Um, do you know what the original, um, not the original title, but do you know what uh, New Line wanted to change the name of the film to? No. No? All right. No nope. Googling. Were you Googling? You were no, trying to. I'm not you? Googled. Nope. I'm not. Cheater. All right. All right. They had two titles that they wanted to do. They wanted to call it Dark World and Dark Empire. Dark Empire. That sounds like a Star Wars film. Yeah. No. <laughs> right. And when I hear Dark World, all I think is Cool World. I don't know if you've seen that, but. <laughs> I just think of Westworld. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought those were, were terrible names for it. Um, but uh, so I'm glad they stuck with it. Um. So was this the first time that you watched the film? Or had you seen it before? So I watched I watched this film years ago when I was in my um, Kiefer Sutherland I love him mode. Mm-hmm. Not long after 24 came out. Yeah, well, that makes sense. I remember the first time that I watched it, I wasn't paying attention and I didn't really... You can't dip in and out of it. And I was dipping in and out of it and I really did not get it. So I didn't know 90% of what was happening, if we're being Mm -hmm. honest. Yeah. So this was the first time that I watched it properly. Okay. So you did not come into this movie as a fan? No. I did not. Okay. That's okay. Maybe you're still not a fan. I don't know yet. We'll find out later. We'll find out. Uh, Speaking of Keith or Sutherland though, Keith or Sutherland, I think, because at this point, when he did this movie, his career was in a bit of a decline. Like he wasn't as prominent. He was no longer like the A-list star or any of that kind of stuff. Um, and he hadn't really, if I recall, he hadn't really been in much at, you know, recent to this film. He was in a um, lot of Channel 5 movies, which is a bit like your version <laughs> of Hallmark. Right. Yeah. Um, however, whatever reason Alex Preuss decided to cast him in the role of the doctor, he was originally going to cast William Hurt, I guess, as the doctor, but um, eventually cast Kiefer Sutherland. I think it was William Hurt um, who ended up playing the detective. I think he was originally uh, wanted for the doctor, but um, I can't, I can't recall exactly. But anyway, Kiefer Sutherland was second pick and, um, I I honestly think that this was the greatest performance that he's ever done. I think he's so phenomenal in this movie. Um, he's he's so outside the normal him. Um, the way he speaks and like has to gasp for breaths and his uh, his uh, little limp thing that he's got going on. The like everything like he embodies his character so well that I just thought he was phenomenal. He's, he is the standout performance in this movie. Like everybody in this movie is good, but Kiefer Sutherland, I think really He's the one you remember. And I think it's, oh yeah. yeah. And I, I really feel like this is the best thing, the best acting effort he's ever given. Um, I will disagree um, like, only because have you seen mm. a film that he was in, one of them Channel 5 films um, called 
it might not be called the same thing for you, but it's called Jet, and he's an air traffic controller who had a plane crash, and he he has to kind of like come back and like stop a plane crash. Very cheesy, very like paint by numbers, but actually he's amazing in that, and I've always thought that was the best performance that he did. But this is definitely second. Interesting. So a, a cheesy straight to video movie. Yeah, I think so. It was better than really. Nobody. It was because okay, it was we'll him. have to watch it. Yeah, a lot, a lot relied on him. And at the time, you have to remember at the time, like it was very hard for a film mm-hmm. actor to be in kind of the only things you were getting was like Storm with Luke Perry, where it was like, oh my god, there's five tornadoes and we have to stop it. <laughs> it was very sort of like Sharknado. Right. And that particular, uh-huh. I mean, my husband loves it. Um, that particular film, Jet, where he was that traffic. Just you know Sharknado, of, the director, the director of Sharknado is from my hometown here. Right? I know you haven't intru- introduced us yet. I'm really, I'm still that? upset. Okay. But I don't, I don't, I've only met him. I don't really know him. But I don't care. I want a Sharknado t-shirt. Why will you not make right. this happen? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I don't know. I got a, I got a poster of his first movie, Boo. I want a Sharknado poster. Get your copy of What's a Sharknado poster? <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway. All right. So I just looked up, <laughs> I looked up Jet for you. And for us over here, it's called Ground Control. It has a really good cast. I'll give you that. It's yeah, got a great it, cast. It, do you know what? It's one of them where you put it on and you think it's going to be absolute shite. And it's really good. Yeah. So, so we got Kiefer Sutherland, Bruce McGill, who I love. I've loved him since I yep. first noticed him in MacGyver. Um, Kelly McGillis, uh-huh. which is interesting from uh, uh, She's actually really good as well. Uh, is she? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Robert Sean Leon, uh, Leonard from uh, House. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, Chrissy Swanson's in it. And the surprise one, Margaret Cho, <laughs> 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 which is interesting. <laughs> Um, what year is this movie? I think it was like 98, 97, Jeez. probably similar time as this. Wow. Yeah. 1998. Same year. Interesting. Wow. Well, maybe he was just, uh, digging into acting and trying to be a real actor. He, he know, did so, quite uh, a few different, like I've got a lot of films from that between sort of like 96 and like 99. And he did some mm-hmm. kind of, he, it just seemed like he was trying different stuff. Um, there's one, I think it's yeah. called Freeway with a Reese Witherspoon. Oh, yeah, maybe. I saw Freeway. Freeway was pretty good. Yeah, that uh-huh, similar yeah. sort of time. He was just like one film, he was a murderer. Another film, he was this. Another film, he was being dramatic. It was very sort of like throw throw something yeah, on the wall yeah. and see what sticks. Yeah, I, I do remember that movie. Yeah, that that's why I was saying that that around that time, his, his career was kind of in decline from like a Hollywood standpoint, like he wasn't doing big movies anymore. Um, so it was kind of that surprise casting to me, but man, did he kill it in my opinion. I'm going to have to check out ground control. Cause if you really think that that's better than what he did in this film, I'm going to, I'm going to look it up. But, uh, I really thought it was phenomenal and I'm a, you know, I'm a big fan of Jennifer Conley as well. She was fine. I don't think that she was amazing in this film, but she definitely played the femme fatale, to a T like the, I feel like they, they must've taken a lot of time to get that sort of half eye open, like look like, you know what I mean? Like she does through the whole film. Um, and her singing the, the, uh, the lounge songs was really cool. No, it's not really her. Um, I can't remember the artist's name, but, um, yeah, it's not really her, but they do. It's one of the few films where they do a great job with having somebody like on stage singing and it not feeling like faked or overdubbed. Um, so I thought they did a great job with that. Um, and then, you know, the, what is that? That's a, uh, uh, Darren, um, uh, what the heck's his name? Uh, Rat Pack dude. Um, can't think of his name right now. No, <laughs> sway with me. The song, the song sway with me. Um, that's, uh, what the heck's his name? I'm going to look this up now. Dean Martin? Uh, Dean, is it Dean Martin? I don't know. I'm just saying names. Yeah, yeah. I think it's Dean Martin. I think you're right. Dean Martin. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. Good job. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was a cool rendition of it because his is more like upbeat and poppy. 
So I really enjoyed that one. Um, and you can find those. I think there was a soundtrack that was released for the film that had both of those tracks that she sings on it, uh, which is another another weird sort of Mandela effect thing for me is I could have sworn to God that one of those songs that she sings, she's wearing a red dress and she's not. There's like, I think a yellow or green dress or something and a blue one. I remember one, being in like a gold blind, so. dress. Maybe it was gold. I don't know. My brain is like yellow or green because <laughs> I'm colorblind, but, and then a blue or purple one or something. But I, Man, my brain is like, I think I'm mixing it up with like Jessica Rabbit or something. I don't know. Because uh, like, I don't remember there being a blue one at all. But it's such a small, like those little pieces are so small in the movie. But it was a great, it was an awesome attempt uh, to add like sort of that noir feel to this film outside of the like, you know, typical like, you know, pouncing around a dark city wearing a fedora and trench coat kind of thing. Um, I thought it was kind of cool. But uh, I really do like that rendition of the Dean Martin song, Sway. I thought that was pretty good. Um, I think another, you know, I forgot to mention this, but I think another reason why this movie um, didn't do well at the box office because uh, the the big movie that was just released that was up against was Titanic. Another one of your favorites. (laughs) Right. So, I mean, I don't think anything did well up against Titanic. (laughs) Titanic ruined everything. Like everybody. Yep. Yeah. You know, it, it just, you know, I don't think any movie got played. I think they stopped releasing movies. <laughs> <laughs> like a week after Titanic came out, they're like, yeah, we better not release anything. <laughs> you know, but, um, you know, Preuss did say, um, speaking of influences, Preuss did say that he was influenced by film noirs of the 40s and 50s, which is obvious. Uh, like Maltese Falcon and whatnot, but also surprisingly, um, the Twilight Zone, which I, I don't, I don't personally see a whole lot of the Twilight Zone in this movie, um, because Twilight Zone was more all about twist endings, and this movie didn't really have a twist ending per se. There are some twists and turns through the movie, but letting us know pretty early on about like you know the aliens and things like that, and you know I, I don't think that discovering we're in a a rat maze you know um was was a huge twist or anything um did you like when you're watching it this time did you like was there anything that was like aha moments or anything like that it was kind of disappointing so it was like oh 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 that's weird (laughs) that's kind of how my brain went oh okay all right um well Let's see. So you got three pages of notes. Is there anything you want to discuss? Well, listen here, Jason Morris. So did you not think, you know, the swirls on the body when they got murdered? Uh Uh-huh. Right. Did that not remind you of Jigsaw and Saw? Oh, yeah, of course. That reminded me of Saw. That has to have been like, they have to have watched this. Yeah, because I think Saw came out in, what, 2000? Something like that? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily know if, if it was, you know, like an homage or if it was, you know, anything at all related to it. But it, it definitely looks like the exact same sort of swirl. I mean, you know, like the jagged sort of line as well. Like neither of them are like perfect spirals or anything. There was, there was so many um, like influence that I saw because I saw another one. You know, okay, so you know, in the X Files. In season seven, mm-hmm. when Mulder gets abducted. And then, you know, in, oh, in season eight, when you kind of, when Scully has dreams about him and he sat You're in the- fucking stretching my brain. Well, you don't keep up. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I remember him not being in the show for a while. I don't remember him being a die. I don't know. <laughs> oh, you're disappointing me. Yeah. But go ahead. But I'm, but I'm listening. Other people do. I'm, I like X-Files, but I'm not like, I'm, you know, I, I, it's fuck, geez, 10 seasons. I'm not, I don't know. <laughs> it's a lot. So, <laughs> but go ahead. I'm, I'm following you. There's a scene like in season eight where they see him in a chair and he's like, he's got, um, like something. Oh, the fire in the sky scene. So he's got scene. something like put like through his wrist, put through his ankles, and they're yeah. like drilling into his chest. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I remember this. Okay. So that they had that scene in Dark City. 
when he was in the chair after he'd gone, like they'd realised it was a spaceship and they sort of were like, we'll put him to sleep and we'll get Kiefer Sutherland to erase his memories. That, that oh, yeah, bit sure, where yeah, his like, face is getting sort of like stretched and he's sat in the chair, that was so mm-hmm. X-Files. <laughs> yeah. And that, that episode you know, it's, it's funny probably came that... like two years after Dark City. Yeah, there, there's, it's, it's really funny that you brought that particular thing up because it also invoked the memory for me, but something very different. Um, there is a Nine Inch Nails music video called Sin. And um, just knowing that Alex Proyas, uh, you know, is a fan of Nine Inch Nails and used their music in uh, The Crow. Um, I was wondering if that like round thing that they put him on in dark city was sort of like an homage or sort of influenced by the music video sin. Um, because in the, in the music video for sin, which I don't think you're going to be able to find it on YouTube or anything because, um, it's graphic. Actually, I, I think I just found it. Um, I don't, yeah, they're not going to show. It's all blurred out. Um, it's got nudity in it, but I mean, it's it has like a person on a big round disc like that, like moving in almost a similar way as in Dark City. So when I I didn't I didn't recall that or anything, but watching it this time for the podcast, it like instantly was like, oh man, that looks just like in in the music video Sin. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool. I thought it was interesting that you found a different uh, sort of. Um, similarity in the x-files to it um but i mean like him in the chair and all that kind of stuff also reminds me of like fire in the sky i don't know if you've seen that but that has robert patrick in it um who was in the x-files um oh no i've not seen but uh, that's an alien abduction movie if you haven't seen it yeah it's based on a true story um and uh they're they they put them in these like chairs and stretch their face, put these like this, like, I don't know. It's really, it's really crazy looking and scary. Honestly, the movie is pretty freaky. Um, but anyway, yeah. So I think there's, I think there's a lot of influences in this movie and I think this movie has influenced a whole hell of a lot of people as well. Oh yeah. And that's kind of the, I think the power of, of Proyas is uh, sort of aesthetic, um, you know, kind of sensibility. Cause I mean, Almost everything that he's done Hollywood wise has been a hit except for um, the last film he did, um, the uh, Greek mythology movie. I can't think of the name of it, Um, but I I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good, but it was so heavy on the CGI that it just kind of takes you out of it. It was so um, good. I enjoyed it, but I can't remember the name of it. (laughs) I can't. I can't really. No, I didn't say it was so good crazy i said it was okay (laughs) it was okay okay. (laughs) yeah all the cgi just takes you out of it though but anyway um yeah so i think that there's a lot of influences in this film and it's influenced a lot of people and that's that's cool i think that's good um now you probably don't follow him on social media or anything like that um like i do because i'm a huge fan of of Alex Proyas. Um, but he, um, started shooting YouTube videos, uh, for just helping filmmakers or whatever, just kind of showing a, a bit of his version of behind the scenes, so to speak of, I would say Hollywood or whatnot. Um, and then he started building his own studio in, uh, I think he lives in Australia, I believe. Um, and he's got his own little like studio where he's doing um, uh, the same thing as like how they made like uh, the Mandalorian with these CGI backgrounds that sort of move when you move the camera oh. and they look very realistic. Um, and I think there's a place called the castle or something in LA that does this as well. Um, but, uh, and that might even been where Mandalorian was shot. I'm not really sure, but um yeah, so he's got this whole studio that he's doing where he, in, you know, instead of uh, having to worry about Hollywood or whatever, um, he's sort of making his own kind of independent go at it, so to speak. Um, so he, um, I think his first or second short film that he shot there was called uh, Mask of Evil Apparition. Um, and 
it's supposed to be set. I haven't seen it yet because it was at the festival circuit. I'm, I'm, it might be around now, but um, it's supposed to be set in the Dark City universe, which I thought was pretty cool. Oh, that, that is was cool. just released last year. Yeah. Yeah. And he's mentioned and talked about a few times that he's developing a Dark City series. Oh, that'll be good. Um, so, right. Yeah. And I think what he's going to do. I could be wrong, but he, he started up a new VOD platform, uh, called Vidiverse, uh, V I D I verse, uh, I guess it's supposed to be like video verse, something like that. Um, and, uh, I'm going to guess that if he does do the dark city series, it'll probably be a, a huge proponent of that VOD platform. We probably won't be able to see it anywhere else is what I'm guessing. <clears throat> so there's some exciting stuff coming, coming out from him. Um, and it's nice to see that he's, you know, doing some YouTube videos and things like that for, for people because he's kind of, you know, he's also fed up with Hollywood and whatnot. Um, but, uh, and he's, he doesn't like like the superhero movies or, um, all the remakes and that stuff. He's, he's after like original material kind of thing, which is kind of funny because his, you know, first big movie the crow was you know comic book but uh i don't i still to this day don't think anybody's made a better comic book movie than the crow i think it's it's pretty much a perfect film um which also has a lot of the same sort of aesthetic as dark city does but all right that's that's about all i got carly um the only other note that i yes repeated quite a lot was how do they survive on five minutes sleep? <laughs> because really, the tuning what? and all that shit where they change mm-hmm. it all—they're asleep for about five yeah. bloody minutes. Yeah, I think that's like just movie logic, or or we're not. Yeah, I just don't think we're seeing the full length of time that it takes them to do the reset and all that, because it seems more like the aliens don't sleep, right? Yeah. Um. So I'm I'm assuming we just don't see the actual passage of time, you know, because they're moving bodies around or maybe they're only changing like one set of people a night. That's that's the one thing that I wasn't 100% sure. Are they changing a bunch of people at the same time or are they only going in and changing like one or two people in their environment? Um, you know, and then and they, they have all these big allocated sessions the household they, a bit like the filing cabinets. A to A to B, that's you, Mr. Wall. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it could be. There's no telling. Um, it's hard it's hard to say on that. And maybe if he does the series, he'll we'll kind of we'll find get out. a better idea of that. Yeah, it's possible. I, I mean, I did have some logic. <laughs> right. <laughs> I did have some, you know, logic issues with the film watching at this time, but nothing that I let like kind of bog me down. It's like, you know, you have to kind of just, you know, suspend disbelief at some point because we're talking about a a science fiction alien movie, you know, where humans are being experimented with. (laughs) So you you can't be too critical. In like a giant Truman show. (laughs) uh, Yeah. (laughs) Which, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the fun of it, you know? is seeing them discover that they're on, you know, they're on the Truman show. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, I guess we're at that point to, uh, give this movie a rating. Okay. You go first. Me go first. Yeah. I said it first. So I, I have, to, I don't know. I kind of want you to go first. Well, I already said. <laughs> no, I think you went first. You went first last time. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. I'm, I give dark, dark city. Well, like I said, I think the acting in Dark City is phenomenal. I think the cinematography, the lighting, the aesthetic of everything, um, even the CGI that's in it, the practical effects, the fact that it's all shot on, you know, built sets. Which is amazing, no, let's face it. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's no real locations or anything in this film. Um, just the grandiose of it, the the size, the scope of this location is, is i mean you know parts of it's got to be a back lot and all that and you know dressed but still he, he makes it look so big and at the same time so claustrophobic um he just did a brilliant job with that uh and i think that's a, a very very strong point of this film um and just the noir aesthetic of it the 
the mystery, the sci-fi aspect, all of those things like really spoke to me. And everything about this movie is right up my alley. Like, yeah, it's everything that I would want in a movie. Um, and I give it 10 gens out of 10. Oh, wow. I think it's, I think it's a fantastic movie. Yeah. Wow. Holy hell. I don't know. It's, it's my top 10 list. You don't throw 10s out very often either. I don't know. I feel like I do all the time. I don't know. But th- this, uh, the crow, the crow, uh, you know, we'll, we'll probably never cover the crow in here. It's not really a noir, I guess, but I guess it might be considered a neo-noir in some aspects, but not really. Um, <clears throat> but the crow is also in my top 10 list, Dark City and the crow, uh, both of them. So, um, yeah, I love both those films. They're both great love stories and uh, mysteries and there's horror and sci-fi to them. And very nice, Jason. All right. Well, what do you got, Carly? Well, I might surprise you here. I don't think so. I think I think I got you pegged on this one. Oh, go on then. Predict. I think you're about a four or five. You are so wrong. Fox you, Morris. Two? No. One? No. <laughs> I would never <laughs> dare. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't seem like you liked it terribly well, but go ahead. I'm, I want to hear. Nine. Really? Okay. Yeah. That's, that is surprising. Yeah. I give it a nine because huh. um, the only thing, which sounds awful, the only thing that I didn't really enjoy about the film was the lead. Uh-huh. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I found him very boring. Um, but everything else I really enjoyed. I wasn't a big fan of the whole alien fight at the end where little beams were coming out the forehead, but uh-huh. I'm a Superman fan. So it's kind of like beams coming out your head, beams coming out your eyes. That's fine. I can deal with that. <laughs> okay. I I did. Interesting. I liked, the thing that I liked the most about it was the films that I love, I found the reference from them in this, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you found where they came yeah, from, kind of. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're talking films that, that came after that yeah, you loved. Yeah, yeah, influences. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. And I really did, I really did enjoy the noir aspect as well. And particularly with the, like I mentioned, the CGI. It's like a noir sci fi film, which is just my 100% cup of tea. And right. I can't say yeah. that I've ever seen anything like it. And I, don't really think that I will see anything like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you don't, do you, do you compare it to the matrix at all? No. Do you know what? I didn't at all. I, uh, I okay. could see a lot of similarities, for example, um, when all the, the bald men were gathering, it, that's very much like reminiscent of Zion and the machine world. So uh-huh. I could, I could see the references uh-huh. where people compare them. But I don't think, to me... It's- what about the use of the aliens? Like, there's a line in the movie about the aliens saying, we use your dead bodies as a host. Well, there's also another one when they're doing the uh, tuning, uh-huh. like the, the tuning commence. That's very much like deja vu in The Matrix. Oh, it happens when they change change something and you see the, you know, a door appearing. Oh, I see. Yes, a window. yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. But if I'm yeah. honest... I would look at Dark City and The Matrix as two completely different films. It didn't. It didn't occur to uh-huh. me at all as a similar theme. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, I'm of the camp where I totally see the similarities, and I think Dark City is far superior. Yeah. So I can I can see the similarities, but um, no, we it, they to me they're kind of like two very different films, which I might be being mm-hmm. weird, yeah. but. Yeah. Well, I think it's funny that people find it easier to swallow or digest or accept that we live in a fucking computer simulation than aliens existing. Yes. Well, when, maybe this you is know what because I mean? like, I'm a bit of an X Files fan, so I was like, Mulder's chair. <laughs> I'm there, Mulder's chair. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You know. And then, have you ever seen the Thirteenth Floor? Have you seen that one? Because that's very matrix. Haven't seen that. You have okay. No. You should check that out. Um, that's that, to me. That's a pretty good one. Um, I like it a lot. 
So I'm not going to tell you about it. You should just go go check it out. It's got noir aspects. Maybe we can cover it on the show. You know. Um, but cool. I'm I'm glad that you enjoyed it. I, I didn't think that you really would. I thought it might be too strange for you, too weird. Um, it was it was weird, but I enjoyed the weirdness. Yeah. Okay. And plus, you know I'm a massive fucking sci-fi fan as well, so I'm quite happy to sit and watch people like firing people at the spaceship. That's fine. <laughs> I'm okay. Yeah, but it's it's funny that yeah. you that the sci-fi aspects you're not terribly keen on, you know, like the tuning and you know all that kind of stuff. But huh? Or the aliens? Yeah, but that was more visual. <laughs> like, how horrible must yeah. that have been for them to try and like film that? Can you imagine telling someone, so you're going to knock him out with your head, but you can't touch him and beams are coming out of your head. <laughs> so look stressed. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. That that little bit at the end wasn't overly fond of, but that was five minutes. So overall, it was nothing really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. Um, um glad you enjoyed it maybe you uh folks at home you can drink your um oh my goodness i already forget what the name of the drink was today the, <laughs> you should drink <laughs> the dark side which makes me think of star wars and i think you said that already right yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. maybe maybe when people read our books they should have one of them oh yeah, yeah. there you go, there go. <laughs> <laughs> the dark side of speakeasy oh yeah well, I hope you guys at home uh, enjoy your dark side and take a look at Dark City, uh, hopefully for you know the second time or third time or fourth time, whatever it is, because it's an amazing movie. Or uh, maybe you don't like it. Who knows? Maybe you're a Matrix fan. No idea. But, you know, maybe you'll see the Matrix show up on uh, the Speakeasy Warcast as well. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, <laughs> enjoy your drink in uh, Dark City. We'll uh, see you guys soon. Bye-bye. He's looking at you, kid. One more rhythm start to play. Thanks for joining us this week on the Speakeasy Noir Cast. Make sure to visit our website, resurrectionfilms.net, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or any of your favorite podcast apps so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. If you like the show, you might want to check out our book, The Dark Side of Acting Up, available now on Amazon, or you can check out one of our films available on Amazon Prime. 